This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. Again, I'm amazed at how the Lord directs in the feeding of his people. It was not hard, as I did pray, seeking the Lord what he would have me share tonight, just, just to encourage us, just to focus us as we get ready to serve the Lord uh, together. And, and as he would have it, where we're at in this series, Mountaintop Living, uh, I think you'll agree with me. I uh, hope you will, that uh, what we're going to see tonight is, is exactly what we needed uh, in preparation for this week of ministry. This is one of the most important evangelistic efforts that we participate in corporately here at Good News. But our text reminds us that in the work of reaching the world for Christ, this is what we need to be doing daily as believers. Uh, I am so excited to see so many involved in trying to reach families for the Lord. But I get convicted every time. We, get, we put all this energy in, and rightfully so. We want to do it right. We want to see people saved. But I need to approach every day with that kind of same intensity to, re to reach my lost neighbors for Christ, my family. Everyone you see is on one of two roads. That'll be true this week as we interact with so many guests. But they're on one of two roads, both of which lead to eternity. One road leads to heaven, the other leads to the lake of fire. There are a lot of things that you can think when you see a person. Sometimes it takes you back a little bit. Uh, hairstyles today are amazing, aren't they? Okay. My dad, full-blooded German, you never wondered what my dad was thinking. Now, he wasn't the fool in Proverbs who said everything that came to his mind. Uh, but he, he said what he felt needed to be said. And I, and one of his favorite statements, and growing up on the farm, we were pretty conservative of what we got to see. But then we'd get into town, and then we'd see things. And my dad had a favorite expression, would you look at the head on that? <laughs> and it, it take you back. When you see people, what do you see? All right. But we should be asking ourselves these important questions. Where are they headed? What road are they on? Sometimes this is easier to know, sometimes not so much. Because people can self-deceive. They can think they're okay, that they're righteous, that they're ready for eternity. Others can be system-deceived, self-deceived and system-deceived, uh, by a religious system and a cult. Again, you're in chapter 7. Just look at verse 15. We're not going to get that far this evening. Uh, but notice what it says. 
The Lord teaches verses 13 and 14. That will be what we focus on. But verse 15, beware of what? False teachers. Okay. Many times leading these kinds of systems where they think they're okay. They want to help. They want others to think they're okay. Going about to establish their own righteousness, their own goodness. They may even know the right language. Even some of the doctrines that you believe, they may claim to believe. They may follow many of the same rules that you do. Yet they are lost and they're on the wrong road. And so we come to this last part of the sermon. And really the text that we'll look at tonight, chapter 7, verses 13 through the end of the chapter, is the conclusion to Jesus' message. We now are entering that conclusion. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' conclusion begins with verse 13, but he closes, I want to make sure that, okay, he closes by talking about two roads. We're going to look at that tonight, verses 13 and 14. By looking at two trees that bear fruit, verses 15 to 20. Two judgments, and those who think that they are at the wrong one. I said that right. There are going to be people that will show up before the Lord, and they think, they think they're okay. They're at the wrong judgment. And Jesus will utter those words, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you as one of my own, my children, my sheep. Verses 21 to 23, and then two builders, verses 24 to 29, and you'll recognize that, those who build on the rock, who obey the teachings of this message, this sermon on the mount, who obey that teaching, and they apply that truth, they're building on the rock. But then there are those who disregard that teaching, and the scripture tells us that they're building their house on sand, shifting sand. So tonight we need to concern ourselves with the road that we are on leading to eternity. Which road are you on? We're going to look at two of them. And then we also need to concern ourselves with the road that others are on. All roads don't lead to heaven. Right? You can't have your way to heaven, I have my way to heaven, and, and you know, eventually, no, 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 that's not what the scripture teaches. So verses 13 and 14 give us the powerful truth for choosing the right road. I've entitled the message tonight, Choosing the Right Road to Eternity. You have to decide. I have to decide. So Jesus begins, verse 13, with an emphatic imperative. In other words, a command. It's forceful. Hey, wake up. Hey, pay, pay attention. That's an emphatic imperative, all right? And here's what he is saying with all the force of the divine nature. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Did you catch that? Enter in at that gate. Don't choose another. Let's step back and start to look at what these words, so important, so meaningful, what the Lord is teaching us. 
the straight. Notice the spelling of the word straight. Notice that it's not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, straight as opposed to crooked. It's not what it's saying. It's not the word. What is the word? Correctly, it's S-T-R-A-I-T. Straight, in other words, the narrow gate. A gate that is so narrow that it's difficult to enter that gate. We'll say more about that in a moment. For wide, okay, that's roomy, lots of space. You can go through that gate, turn down that road, not so much trouble. Okay? A lot of people can head down that road and feel like they're being safe. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So you ought to think of it this way, easily entered, easily traveled. Broad road, easily entered, easily traveled. Now verse 13 could stand alone for any thinking traveler. If all we did tonight was read that verse and just speak on the merits of that verse alone, there's enough there to cause us to choose the narrow road. There are only two roads that lead to eternity, and what do we learn in verse 13? Destruction waits at the end of this broad road. Okay? It's a wide road, it's a broad road, but God places a big sign along this road. The sign doesn't say danger ahead. Have you ever seen a sign like that along the road? Usually when you see that sign, danger ahead, you slow down and you're cautious. Do you know what the sign along this road? God has planted a big sign there. It doesn't say danger ahead. It says destruction ahead. The Lord isn't saying be cautious down this road. He is saying get off this road. Leave it. The problem is this road is traveled by many, and that is the problem. How can so many be so wrong? Has your flesh ever told you that? How can that many people going that way, thinking that way, how can they be wrong? How, how can myself and, and the few that I see at church and the, the few Christians, how can we be right? How can all of those thinkers be wrong? The Bible's teaching us that it's the way that the pop culture goes. Intellectualism, the new age, social activism, and most of the world's media, they're on that road. And they are preaching their doctrine loudly. And they want you to think that the louder they get, that they're convinced they're right. It doesn't change the fact it's the broad road. The thinking on this road is everyone's doing it, therefore it must be right. Can I just say this to you young people? If everybody's doing it, you better put on the brakes. The majority of the world has never been right about anything. Popular thinking was wrong in Noah's day, right? Eight people survived on a boat. 
120 years of though that little handful trying to convince the rest of the world that what God said was true. Question for you, were they right or was God right? God was right. The scripture tells us it will be the same when Jesus returns. There's a broad road. Many are on it. But those who have listened to the Lord are going to be saved. Destruction means the eternal lake of fire. Can we just look over Revelation 21 and verse 8? There are many texts that we could look to where we understand where the broad road leads, those who have rejected Christ, where they will be judged eternally. But notice again, those who are on this road. What characterizes those who are on this road? Revelation 21, verse 8, but the fearful. Do you know that there are folks that go to the lake of fire because, not because they didn't hear the truth or they heard it and didn't understand it, but they were afraid to follow it. They were afraid to get off the broad road and get on the narrow road. The fearful, the unbelieving. Those that are just convinced the broad road is the right road, and it doesn't matter what you tell me, you're not going to change my mind. I don't believe it. The abominable. They're on the road because there's pleasure in sin for a season, and they just really like the behavior of everybody else on that road. Murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters. And then the Lord says this, and all liars. See, there are some pretty moral people on the broad road. But what characterizes everyone? They're liars. Now, let me just be honest. All of us at one point in our lives were on the broad road and we were all liars too. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? Let me ask you a question. How many people do you have to kill to be a murderer? Now, we've already seen murderers. They'll have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. But this condemns the whole race. We have all spoken lies. And what does the passage say? Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. That is the destruction that the Lord is speaking of. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking forward to dying if the Lord tarries. I've watched it happen. I've been around a lot of it. But even for the believer, death, the body stopping, is just the entrance into eternal life. We don't really die. Jesus taught his disciples that. We simply step into the Lord's presence. But can you imagine an eternity where what you are experiencing in eternity is death? Now, you're not going to die in the sense that the lights are going to completely go out. No, you will just be in the process of dying forever. That's the destruction. In fact, let me just be blunt. When we read about how God describes hell and the lake of fire, you'll want to die and you won't be able to. Very sobering, very, very sad. So again, if you are on the broad way, 
easily entered and easily traveled. You must get off and do it now. Right now. If you have any thoughts that you're still on that broad road, you need to turn to Christ. And if you're not sure, if you have questions, immediately after the service tonight, please seek out one of our pastoral staff. Seek out someone that you know, knows God, knows his word. Let them help you, but do all you can to get off that road. Now, praise King Jesus. He teaches that there's a second road. Verse 14, because straight, and now that's the word for narrow, is the gate, and narrow, okay, that's a, a way that is difficult, compressed, we'll see back, or come back to this word in a moment, it's a very important word, so because narrow is the gate, difficult, compressed, is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. This is the right road. This is a good road, wonderful road. But there are few that find this road. Now why is it true that few find the road? If you're taking some notes, and you may want to just write this next in the margin of your Bible, I think this is so important for understanding this text. Well, let's take a close look. Those who miss the narrow road do so because they're unwilling to strive. Now stay with me and we'll explain what this word means. The word narrow in verse 14 is a Greek word. It's phlipsis from phlibo. It's used seven times in Paul's writings. So this word, narrow, okay, what does the word mean? Well, let's look at how Paul uses it, and he uses it multiple times in 2 Corinthians. He uses it multiple times in his letters to the, the uh, Thessalonians. But I want us to go to 2 Corinthians. Hold your place here in Matthew 7, and let's go to 2 Corinthians, and let's just see how he uses this word. And I'm going to emphasize it, and you'll see a pattern here. Remember... Narrow. What does that mean? It means difficult, compressed. It's hard to get through there. All right. Second Corinthians, look at chapter 1 and verse 6. And whether we be afflicted, there's your word. It is for your consolation and salvation which is effectual in the enduring the same sufferings, there's your word again, which we also suffered, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. All right. The idea of affliction. Let's go to chapter 4. Notice verse 8. Again, Paul will use this word. We are troubled. On every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. So Paul's saying, I'm on this narrow road. We're afflicted. We are troubled. Chapter 7. And notice verse 5. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were, here it is again, troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Okay, now, 
There's a parallel passage to where we're at in Matthew chapter 7. Luke's gospel teaches the parallel truth, but you'll find it in Luke 13 and verse 24. Luke 13, 24. Now, again, the Holy Spirit is going to change the picture a little bit. It's not talking about going through a gate. Luke is going to talk about going through a door, but it's the same kind of door. Luke 13, 24, strive means struggle as in an athletic contest. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to deny yourself. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. And that word gate is not the word used in Matthew's gospel uh, for a gate. This is talking about a door. To enter in at the straight door. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Now, why aren't they able? Well, they're not willing to strive. Now, please don't misunderstand. This is not a talking about you working out your salvation. But here's the point. As you come to the Lord, you may have to, distri- have to strive with what you used to believe, your feelings, the flesh, as it says, what am I going to have to give up if I make this decision? I had the privilege of witnessing to someone just recently. What a privilege it was. And God just led in the conversation. I gave them the gospel. Came right up to the point where they even admitted, I need to be saved. I I need to come to Christ. And so I said to them, if God's willing to accept you the way you are, are you willing to accept him the way you are right now? And in so many words, they said, I'm almost there. And I I pled with them, but not too much because the Holy Spirit has to draw them in. I got to plant the seed, but uh, you know what I witnessed? They were striving, but not willing to take that final step and receive Christ. Now, I'm praying that they still will, okay? But some are not able to because of what must be believed. Some are not willing to strive to believe what the Lord requires. You know, to be saved, you've got to believe the gospel. Here's where we see this. Go to John chapter 6. Some refuse to strive to just by faith believe what the Lord has said. And I'm using the biblical term, strive here. But John chapter 6 Look at the end of the chapter, verse 60. Jesus has been teaching and he's been sharing some hard things in John chapter 6. Why? Because people were following him. They wanted to receive bread, but they didn't necessarily want to receive the bread of life. And the Lord is saying some very strong things. You've got to take me in. He's talking about faith, but they, they weren't getting it. In fact, it was so hard. Verse 60 says, many therefore of his disciples, these were his followers, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? They're deciding whether or not they want to strive to continue to follow and believe the Lord. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? 
It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. See, there's the problem. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Drop down to verse 66. From that time, many of the disciples went back, and what's it say? And walk no more with him. Now, what we understand probably is they were still on the broad road, but they, they embraced some of the ideals of Jesus, and who doesn't want to see miracles and get a free lunch? But when it came to what you really need to believe to follow Christ, we're not getting on that road. You see what's happening here? They weren't willing to strive. Jesus alludes to this same struggle in Matthew 11 and verse 12. And from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Did you ever read that verse and wonder what is that saying? Well, here's what it's teaching. The Lord is forcefully advancing his kingdom. Was there any violence? Folks, the cross is a violent thing. What won our salvation? Violence. So the Lord is, is alluding to that. It's not that we are violent to advance the kingdom. No, we bring peace. But it took mortal combat to win our salvation. Jesus. And it also means this, that wicked men are using force to try and stop the advancement of the kingdom. Would you agree with that? Wow. I believe Matthew eleven twelve. in fact, is really the commentary on Matthew 11. Is there any violence in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 11? That chapter of faith. Is there any violence in Hebrews 11? Wow. Some were sawn asunder, they were eaten of beasts, they were pursued. Remember all of that? Why? Because they were on the narrow road and they believed something. They believed in Christ. So some won't travel the narrow road because they are unwilling to strive. Now let me just turn that around. I praise God. I'm speaking to a group of believers tonight. You're on the narrow road and you're striving. It's been a full day, but I believe that you believe Jesus is worth it, and here you are. By the way, he is worth it, right? Okay, this little bit, maybe I missed my Baptist nap. It's all right. I'll survive. Some are unwilling to strive. I thank God that you're willing to strive for the cross. Do you know why others miss the narrow road? Some are unwilling for solitude. Okay, well, we need to look at that. Some are unwilling for solitude. On the narrow road, you will feel alone. That's what I'm talking about. Why? The scripture says Jesus taught few are on that road. Do you ever feel alone? Maybe you say, yeah, where I serve in the military, I don't know of another single believer. Or where I work... <clears throat> I don't know that anybody's saved. My neighborhood, I think the only Christian home I know of is our own. Paul reminds us of this 
You can feel alone. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And, and I'm having you move around in the scripture tonight, but I think it's important. Let's go to Paul's letter, second letter to Timothy. And you tell me if you think Paul feels that he is alone in any way. Sometimes even those on the narrow road forsake us. Notice chapter 4 and verse 16. Second Timothy 4 and verse 16. At the first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Now what is this talking about? Most Bible scholars think... And when you get to the end of this letter, you'll see uh, some Bibles have a notation where this was written at a time when, when Paul was about to have his second meeting with Nero. Many believe that this first meeting with his first meeting with Nero is what verse 16 is talking about. So I went in to meet with the emperor. Again, isn't God gracious? Two times God sent one of his mighty missionaries in to have a conversation with Nero to try to get him on the narrow road. Don't tell me the Lord is not willing that any should perish. He is. He's not willing. He wants everybody to be saved. There's proof. Okay? So, in that meeting, there were no other Christians there. No one else dared to go into that place and encourage Paul during his defense. Now, let me ask you, would you have been willing to walk in there? Okay. Did Paul feel solitude like he was alone? Sure he did. Sure he did. It's in this same text that he'll talk about how Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present age. And then Paul will talk about, you can read through the rest of the chapter, and he's talking about names that you'll recognize, that, that these missionaries, Aquila and Priscilla are over here, and, the, and Timothy, and the, these missionaries are serving all over, but they're not with Paul. He's alone. And then he reminds us that he wasn't alone. And, and I love this, uh, because notice what he says then in verse 17. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul went alone. You're never alone. But there are going to be times on the narrow road you feel like you're alone. Just remember, lo, I am with you always, Jesus says, even unto the end of this age. How many of you have ever been spelunking? That is cave exploring. All right, a few brave souls here. Uh, I would love to have a church trip where we go spelunking. All right? If you struggle at all with close, tight spaces, don't go, all right? But I, I would love to do that. I remember one particular splunking trip, and I took, I took my youth group. When I was a youth pastor, we would go into these caves. Wisconsin has some great caves. In fact, one activity, I got 50 teenagers stuck in a cave. It took me three hours to get them all out. That's another story. We'll sell tickets for that one, all right? But 
In that cave that day, some of us got lost. Down a 50-foot incline into this cave, and during the time that we were in there, it started to rain profusely, and that incline down into the cave became a mudslide. That's what took us three hours to get all those teenagers back out of there. But you go in, and it just keeps going further and further into the earth. It is great fun. Make sure you have a good light, because it's dark down there. But you go into this room, and, and oh, you, you get to see the bats hanging from the ceiling, the stalactites, all, all of those things. And it looks like this is where it ends. And then a teenager will say, oh, no, there's a passageway over here. And so you all wiggle in there, and you just keep going. opens up to another room. And then, oh, there's a little passageway here. And it's on the floor, and it's about two feet off the floor, and you just crawl in under there, and there's another room, and you just keep going. It's great fun. We got lost. Now, there was a map, so you could kind of figure out where you were. But I remember getting into this one room, couldn't figure out how did we come into this room. And by the way, I just killed any chance of us having a church splunking activity. I, I get that, all right. I love teenagers. I couldn't figure out how we got in this room, but they had figured out a way out. And yet it was in this narrow, narrow place. And they were, you know, typical teen, they could just slide through there. Well, I was a lot lighter than I am now. I got halfway in there and I got stuck. And so I backed out. And it was cool enough down there that most of us were wearing jackets. I took the jacket off, and I fit through that place. And here I am, so we did all eventually get out of that cave. But, but the point of the illustration is this. The only way through the narrow passage was to remove my coat and press through the opening to safety. That's the picture here. There are times that are going to require sacrifice down that narrow road. Now, it leads to life, eternal life. But you're going to have to do things that are uncomfortable, things that maybe are new where you're just going to really have to trust God to get through there. And don't miss this part of the illustration. And you may have to leave some baggage behind. If any man will come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. The wide road is spacious and accommodates the crowd and all the baggage. The narrow road is not so accommodating. So how do we know how to navigate that narrow road? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my there you go. My path. It's here. And by the way, it's a lot harder down the narrow or the wide way that leads to destruction. There may be some pleasure in that for a season, but I tell you what, that crowd's not so nice. You play by their rules, you do it their way, okay. But that leads to destruction. Now, I'm so thankful, by the way, that there are times that the Lord reaches down on the broad road and he allows your circumstances 
to get flipped over. All right, if you're living for the world's things, the Lord knows how to remove idols from our lives. And he will do that because he loves those who are on the broad road so that they'll look to him. Remember Saul of Tarsus who was on a broad road? And God said, all right, enough is enough. And God took him to the floor on that road, but then got him on the narrow road. God is so gracious uh, to be willing to do that. The prodigal, the same thing. The prodigal was on a broad way. He had money, and it's, it, he, it's, he was living the life, right? And then God reached down and made things on the broad road not so pleasant. And by the way, the broad road can stink. There are pig pens on that road. And when he came to himself, what did he realize? I'm on the wrong road. And he went to the Father. You give your baggage to the gatekeeper, to Jesus. And you'll enjoy the privilege of traveling light and being on the right road. So let's close. There are two gates, two roads, two crowds, one much larger than the other, and two very clear and different destinations. The roads are not ends in themselves. Okay? One leads to the eternal kingdom of life, the other to eternal darkness and conscious dying. The longer you are on these roads, the greater the challenges. On the narrow road, yes, there is persecution, opposition, discouragement. That can happen on the narrow road, but don't let your flesh convince you that that makes it the wrong road. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And that can happen even on the narrow road. Many of you have learned that. What about the broad road? Greater blindness, hardness, insensitivity to spiritual matters. The longer you're on that road, the harder you will get. And by the way, the way of the transgressor, the scripture says, is hard. That's why Jesus says, get on the narrow road. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Because I can go down that road. He can bear my burden. I can cast all my care on him. Why? He's there and he cares for me. But if you're on the broad road, you may have lots of company, but you are alone. Especially when things really get hard. And so thinking about those who spend the most time on those roads, the longer you're on the narrow road, the sweeter your fellowship with the Lord can get, though things can be very hard. The longer you're on the broad road leading to destruction, the harder you will get. And that reminds us as we close. That's why it's so important that we reach kids for Christ. When these missionaries go to Ghana, got to reach the kids for Christ. Why? Because in 10 years, in 20 years, well, they'll all start believing that no, life is really about prosperity gospel or it's about acquiring things. That's not what life is about. You don't take any of that with you. We need to reach children for the Lord. And so this week we have the opportunity to help them through the narrow gate. And let's pray for each other that God will, will help us, give us his grace, 
The Spirit of God will draw them. But if tonight you've been listening and you all have listened so well, if tonight you have some questions about the road you're on, you need to get help with that. Let somebody help you. If you're on the broad road, we want to see you come to Christ. Some of you know enough that if you're on the broad road, you want everybody to think you're saved and you're not. You just need to repent of your sin, get along with God and believe on him, receive him. But Christian, if you're on the narrow road and you're discouraged tonight, pray with somebody. Let's help you with that. All right. Don't stop on the road. Nobody just stops on the narrow road. Either you're going forward or you're backsliding. You can be on the narrow road and backslide. So keep, keep pressing on for the Lord through his strength. Again, the reality is, as we face a new week, the reality is, That those who enter in at the straight gate and obey the Lord will avoid destruction. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way which leads to life, though few there be that find it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. So much in these, these couple of verses. But Lord, there's two paths. Really, there's only one door. Really, there's only one gate if we're willing to believe you. So, Father, help us to choose by faith the right one. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.